Would you bring your Bibles this morning? You better, it's church. Oh man, thank you, worship team. You guys are awesome. Love you guys. Um, You know what? Let's go over to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. There are two types of Christians in the world. Those who seek God for what he can do and those who seek God for who he is. Those are the two types of Christians in the world. We find so many people when they're in desperate situations, desperate need, then they turn to God. I remember uh, heard a story about two businessmen that were really having difficulty in their business because they were trying to figure out how to do something. And, and it came down to they, they tried everything that they knew to do in this crisis situation that they were in. And one business owner looked at the other one and said, well, I guess all we can do now is pray. The other guy said, dear God, has it come to that? It's not a great position to be in. It's not definitely not a position of faith, right? You know, so, so that's my question this morning. Are we seeking God for what he can do for us? Or are we seeking God for who he is? I've changed the way that I pray, um, especially when it comes to sickness, dealing with a pain or an issue, a sickness of some kind. And and because I used, to, I used to really rebuke, but I, I've turned because my relationship with God has, 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 I've grown a lot in my relationship with him. And so what, I, what I've been doing now is I pray and I just begin to thank God that he paid the price so that I'm free from sickness. Thank you, Lord, that I'm free from sickness because of you. And and uh, I had this happen um, yesterday. I, I, Dan Moeller actually was the one that taught me this, was, you know, that when we pray, how about instead of talking to the devil and rebuking the devil and putting your focus on the devil, the devil, the devil, what about turning to God and saying, God, thank you, because I owe him nothing. He's a withering branch coming to nothing. So I don't, I don't have to have a conversation with him. I don't even have to rebuke him. You know, the one time that we cast the demon out of that guy, I had to speak to the demon to go. Jesus spoke to the demon to go. But I think sometimes we're speaking to the devil instead of just thanking God for what he's paid the price so that we could be free from. And I had this pain and it was, it was significant. And I was praying and asking God, I, was, I wanted to rebuke the pain. And, and instead the Lord was drawing me to him. And I began to just be thankful. We, can, we enter his gates with thanksgiving, enter his courts with praise. So I began to just thank him and to begin to praise him that God, you, pay, you died on the cross. This is why your body was broken for me so that I could be healed. Thank you so much for that. And you know what happened? The pain was gone. Glory to God. I had a Gary um, who's not here because he, he said, I'm presenting today. What that means is he's sharing the gospel with a group of guys. <laughs> he said, I'm presenting today. I said, well, that's a good way to put it. I'm presenting, which more of us would present, you know? And uh, anyway, and he, 
he talked about last time he presented the, some of the guys that got saved. It was really cool. And anyway, but he was, he sent me a text because some of you may remember last week he came forward and needed, wanted prayer. He said his back was really hurting him. And, and I just began to pray for him. And I prayed the same thing. Lord, I thank you so much that you provided healing for Gary. And so I speak to his back, Lord, that it would be healthy and whole in Jesus' name. He, he texted me later. It was about 6 o'clock. And he said, you know, I haven't had pain since I left church this morning. Thanks for praying. So, man, God is moving. God is moving. Amen. Well, that's not what I want to talk to you about. So that was just free. But how about if I just talk to you about whatever the Holy Spirit just puts on my heart? Because one of the things I felt like I needed to, to clarify, and Nicole pointed this out to me, was um, I, this opportunity that we have here is that God has put us in a position to put the money in the bank that we would normally pay in rent. And so we've already set up our accounting software to do that. Uh, in fact, we raised our rent so that it would put more in there. And we're super, super honored to get to do that. Um, but Nicole said, why are you calling it a tabernacle fund? And I said, well, it's because of what that word means to me. Because you remember in Exodus 25, in, in long about verse 8, the Lord spoke to Moses. Because remember, Moses tried to bring the children of Israel up the mountain, but the children of Israel didn't want to go. And so what he said was, he said, okay, build me a tabernacle because I'm going to come and I'm going to dwell among you. Well, that's, that's a big deal because you didn't come up the mountain, I'm gonna come down to you. But, and then in chapter 26, he gives Moses all of the, the extreme detail. This is how it has to be built. This is what it needs to look like, how it, how it needs to face. Every single thing in the tabernacle has significance. There's nothing in the, even the stake in the ground has significance. It all means something. And we've done actually a teaching on that. You can go back and listen on our podcast. We did two teachings on the tabernacle. But, but because to me, that word tabernacle means something specific, meaning we're not just interested in building a cool building. We're interested in finding out from God, what do you want us to build that's going to bring glory to your name, that's going to be the type of building that we need that's going to take us where you want us to go, which is to spread the gospel, which is to raise up disciples and, and have an amazing place. So that, that was why I felt like I needed to clarify that. So tabernacle, though, in studying it, Nicole was not wrong <laughs> because I went, oh, I do need to use the word temple because here's why. Tabernacle means house of God. Temple means to dwell or to inhabit. I don't just want a house that God visits. We want to be a temple where he dwells. He inhabits. Amen. And I, and I, I know God doesn't inhabit buildings, but he does inhabit us. And so I'm, my, my faith and my hope is that the things that God does here in the way of either preaching the word or in the way of praise and worship in the way of everything else, that it would put your temple in such a form that God could inhabit there because God doesn't share the house. God doesn't share the house. He never shares the house. Never has roommates. No. In fact, when he comes and he dwells, nothing else can be in there. All right. All right. So do you find, uh, did you find Luke? 
chapter 10? Luke chapter 10. Yeah, let's look at verse 38. Verse 38 says this. It says, Now it happened as they went that they entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, Do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you were worried and troubled about many things. But one thing, everybody say one thing. One thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. So Martha sowed seeds of distracted love, worry, and a troubled heart. Mary sowed seeds of one thing, laying at his feet, in his presence, drawing on him. While Martha was running around doing the work of the ministry, Mary was laying at Jesus' feet. This is difficult for Martha people. Because we're get it done kind of people. I got a list. I got to get this done today. This is on my schedule. If I do this today, you know, then I'll have more free time tomorrow. Nicole's Nicole's dad, he is a goer. He's been to Africa now over 100 times. And yeah, he's he's in his 80s. And he said, where is he in Africa now? Where is he at now? He's here. Okay, I wouldn't be surprised if he wouldn't be in Africa right now because he's, he's going back. Um, in fact, I think he's taking Zach with him this year too. Um, but, you know, he's just, he's traveling all the time. And he's a go, 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 go kind of guy. Well, when I met Nicole, they were traveling on, on the road full time. And I helped him, I used to go over and help him load their RV. Nicole doesn't remember, but I was there really because of her. But... I, but I was helping her dad, you know, load the RV. And, and I remember looking at the RV going, man, this would be so cool to travel like this. Be, this would be so cool. And so anyway, he, he loads the RV and they traveled and they were in a city. You would go from like Wednesday to Sunday or something, Sunday to Wednesday. And they would do a whole, you know, several nights of revival and whatever back in the day. And, and they would travel to a city. Well, they never had time to stop. They would drive by something that looked pretty cool, you know, it was the world's largest, biggest ball of yarn or whatever. And they would keep going. They wouldn't even stop and get their picture with it or anything because, you know, we got we to get to the next church. But, but her dad would always say, well, one of these days we'll stop and do that. Well, when we started to travel, Nicole and I, um, with a ministry here, um, the director when we were talking on the phone and he was telling me all, all the information about traveling and, and he told me, he said, now, Phil, he said, I, I want you to know how I travel. He said, I don't care if it's the world's largest ball of yarn. We're stopping and getting our picture with it. I said, I like you already, you know? And uh, by the way, we did find the world's largest ball of yarn. It's in uh, Minnesota. What was the name of that little town it's in? 
Yeah, outside of Wilmer. We, we got our picture with it. <laughs> but anyway, literally. But, you know, we went to Niagara Falls. We went to the Grand Canyon about four different times. Went to Sedona. Did the Pink Jeep tour a couple times. I mean, you know, this was, this was a person that could appreciate where you were in the moment. And sometimes we get so busy that we're, we're the Martha, man. We've got, we've got our schedule and we lay it out and we do all this stuff. And let me tell you, when we're, when, we're, when we're in our sunset years and it comes our time to where we're about to check out of this life and graduate to the next life that God has for us, we're not gonna look back and go, oh man, I wish I would've, I wish I would've got that done. I wish I would've put more on my schedule. I wish I could've done more. No, we're gonna look back and go, I wish I would have spent more time with my family. I wish I would have taken that break and had that experience with my kids. I wish I would have. I don't want to be the kind of person that says, I wish I would have spent more time at the feet of Jesus. Listening to him. You know what it's like when you meet a famous person? Somebody that you really look up to, somebody that's like, wow, in your eyes. I mean, wow. You know, you're just, oh, I just, and when you meet them, you just talk nonstop. Oh, I love you. I loved you in this, and I loved you in that, and it's just so grateful. It's so, it's such an honor to get to meet you. This is amazing. And what do we do? We just, we talk the whole time, and then we don't allow them to say anything back to us. I, I really enjoy it when we have guest ministers come in because, you know, we'll, we'll usually get to take them out on, on the night before on Saturday night, take them to dinner. And I, I just love to just, I'd probably grill them, don't I? Like Pastor Bob, I felt for him. I was just, Pastor Bob, what about this? Well, I mean, here's one of the greatest theologians in my lifetime, you know, and here I get to ask him questions. You know, here's, here's my opportunity to glean well, if we're so busy all the time, when, when are we going to sit at the feet of Jesus and let him talk? I think the one who knows most should do the most talking. Doesn't that sound smart? Lance, wouldn't you agree? He can't, yeah, sorry. He, he would agree if he could, yeah, if the sound was better. Um, <laughs> so Lance, says, he says, I watched the... I'm sorry, I'm, I'm sharing too much. I'm going to stop. Uh, so let's, so don't be a Martha. We need to have some Mary attributes to our life. We need to take some time to sit down at his feet. Amen? Can I hear an amen on that? Amen. All right, turn over to Hebrews chapter 12. This is probably one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible, Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, and um, <clears throat> when you get there, say amen. amen. Okay, great. <laughs> Pages were sticking together. Okay, Hebrews 12. Look at verse 1. It says in the New King James Version, it says, Therefore also, 
since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Verse two, it says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising its shame, and is sat down on the right hand of God. In other words, he saw beyond the cross. On the front end of the cross in Gethsemane, he knew what he was going to suffer. He knew physically what he was going to experience because the Romans were ruthless. They were absolutely ruthless when it came to torture and making your death the, the most horrific experience that it could be. So he knew what he was going to go through, but it says for the joy that was set before him. Is that a joy to experience that kind of torture, that kind of terrible stuff in your life? That's, that's not the joy. Where's the joy? The joy is beyond the cross, you and I. What we are doing right now, this was the joy that was set before him. You and I, look at your neighbor, say, you were the joy. Look back at the other neighbor and say, you are a joy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it says, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, you got fans in the stands. There's fans in the stands watching what we're doing. They're watching our Christian life. Sometimes I think about my dad. My dad went home to be with the Lord in 2013. My granddad, he's with my granddad, my dad's best friend, went home to be with the Lord just this last year, you know, and I think about the different people that I know. I remember Nicole, she had the privilege of leading a 106-year-old lady to the Lord just before she died. And, I, and yeah, that was a wow experience. She was an Orthodox Jew, didn't, never believed in Jesus and, and her, her family were all Christians. And anyway, it was, it was amazing testimony and she professed Jesus before she died. But I remember Nicole sending her mom messages through these ladies that, because we were working, we, were, we, were, we did a Bible study in a retirement community, in a retirement center. And so Nicole and I you know, became close with some of these ladies and she got a part-time job working there. Uh, and so she got to be there before some of these ladies went home to be with the Lord. And I remember Nicole, she was like sending messages to her mom because her mom went home to be with the Lord in 2011, I think it was. And, uh, and I mean, why not? The Bible doesn't say we can't send messages to people through people that are going home. All right, for the, so there's a cloud of witnesses. There's a cloud of witnesses and it says to lay aside, so since we're surrounded by this cloud of witnesses, since you're in this arena and you're the life stage, you're in the stage of life that's on the stage, you know, and you have these people that are watching you, it says to lay aside every weight and the sin. How do you lay aside the weight and the sin that so easily besets you? That means it's something that happens frequently. It's, a, it's, a, it's something that you trip over. Something amazing happens when we lay, when we begin to take time to lay at the feet of Jesus. I've been on those fasts where I just went hungry. That was basically all that happened. Just got hungry. Because I didn't understand what a fast was for. 
I didn't understand the purpose of a fast. <clears throat> well, so let me, let me say something else. So I, so I decided to go on this fast, uh, I don't know, it was, what, about a month ago? It's about a three-day three day fast. And I got away because I just wanted to spend time in prayer. I wanted to lay at the feet of Jesus, not have anything to do. And I, and I went out to this place that was out in the middle of nowhere. I mean, you know, you barely had, wi- you barely, barely had cell signal, definitely no Wi-Fi out there. And I just took my piano and I just spent time in worship, spent time at his feet. And a, and a transformation began to happen in me. I wasn't going hungry, even though I was hungry. To say I wasn't hungry would be a lie. <clears throat> but I wasn't focused on that. I was focused at spending time at the feet of Jesus. Well, the amazing thing happens when you spend time at the feet of Jesus is he begins to clean up your life. He begins to uh, purge you. My, uh, my wife, she, she used to say, uh, we'd go on vacation, we'd come back and she'd say, I need to go on a cleanse. You know, after vacation, you ate stuff that probably needs to, you need to get cleansed from. Well, I didn't need to go on a cleanse. I told her I needed to go on a purge. <laughs> she didn't like that word. But, but Jehu, let's think about Jehu, because you remember Jehu in Second Kings. King Jehu, he purged the land of the Baal. They were worshiping Baal. And you remember God said, I've anointed you and you're going to take care, you're going to rid the earth of, of uh, Ahab's family. Ahab was, he was married to Jezebel and he caused Israel to sin in all kinds of ways. And so Jehu goes and he, he pulls all the prophets of Baal into the temple of Baal and he gets them all together, make sure nobody's missing, make sure everybody's here. He said, Ahab worshiped Baal a little, I'm gonna worship him a lot. So he gets everybody in there and he pretends like he's going to do a sacrifice. And then he's got 80 men surrounding the temple that he said, make sure there's not a prophet of God or a, or a, or a Christian in here anywhere. And they made sure that none of those people were in there. And then the 80 men went in and they killed the prophets of Baal. He had a zeal for the house of God. Jehu did. And so you and I, what happens when we begin to fast and we begin to spend time at his feet, gleaning from him, he begins to purge things or cleanse things. Some things don't need cleansed, they need purged. But some things need cleansed and not purged from your life. That's a good word. So that happens at his feet. If we don't t- take time to get still, to abandon the tacos that Jesus didn't order. Some, I heard some pastors say that Martha was making tacos that Jesus didn't order. <laughs> and we abandon that and we come and we lay at his feet. Oh my word. When we, when we begin to love him at a whole new level, he begins to purge the things that need purge from our life and he begins to cleanse the things that need cleansed in our life. That's how, that's how it happens. It's, it's sanctification. See, justification is you've, made, you've been made right with God. God has said, hey, listen, everything, every sin that you committed up to this point, it's gone. 
I am calling you my own. I've adopted you into my family. So justification, your spirit is completely saved. Sanctification is a process. All right? So to the degree that I push in, to the degree that I seek his face, that I lay at his feet, things get sanctified in my life. Sometimes people will say, well, it's a a process, brother. Well, hey, okay, the Holy Spirit's, the hammer's not missing the chisel. Okay, because you can, you can, you can use process as an excuse to not be sanctified. But we can be sanctified very quickly. I mean, it doesn't have to be this long, drawn-out deal. We can be sanctified as quick. Have you ever seen somebody, somebody, for instance, like Todd White, his testimony, God, his life was sanctified so quickly. It, it doesn't have to take forever. But it does take us being willing to get still, to be still. Rebecca, come help me. To be still. We only know him when we take the time to be still. We know about him through his word, but we know him by spending time at his feet. Think about Mary. Every time we see Mary in scripture, she's at his feet. They go over to Martha's house, she's at his feet. She comes and anoints his feet with perfume. She washes his feet with her tears. Every time we see her, we're at, she's at his feet. It's very similar with John. John was the disciple that Jesus loved. He, he spent time I mean, he's the one that's so close to Jesus that Peter's saying, hey, ask Jesus this question for me. John's right there. John's like, nah, I'm I'm gleaning everything that I can glean from you. And when I get around men of God, women of God, we get to to have breakfast with Pastor Sharon Doherty and uh, her husband, Pastor Billy Joe, who went home to be with the Lord. He was my pastor growing up in Tulsa. And... Man, to get to spend that breakfast with her, I was just full of questions. I want to draw on that anointing. I want, I, I said, you know, we're, we're experiencing this because sometimes you feel like you're the only one. You know, and well, I'm, we're going through this. And Pastor Sharon goes, oh yeah, we, we went through that. I said, yeah, I figured you did. What did you guys do? She said the same thing that you're doing. And you know, as, I, as I'm talking, but I, I'm gleaning from her because she encourages me, she inspires me. But it's gonna cost. There's a cost to you and I gleaning from God. The cost is what we're getting ready to do here in just the next 30 minutes. And that's to lay at his feet. That's to take the time. So I'm not interested in just, you know, having a cool worship team and and we'll do a series that will make you laugh all the way through. I mean, I love it when you laugh. I love it when we enjoy the service, but I, I'm more interested in what's God doing in you? Where are you at? I'm like the shepherd that inspects the sheep, man. You got to get under the wool and look down in there and find out, is there anything down? Have you ever, you know, sheep, they grow that thick wool and you have, the shepherds have to get down in there and make sure that there's nothing growing down in here that could put my sheep's life at risk. You know, that's me. I'm in here going, okay, God, 
what can, what can I, what do you want me to bring today that will affect their lives, that will cause them to grow and to be big people, men and women of faith? Because <clears throat> none of us are where we're going to be. We're all growing. If you feel like you've arrived somewhere, then it means that you're no longer teachable and that's not a great, that's not a good place to be. Because we're always constantly growing, growing in God. But I want to ask you this morning, this is not at all my notes. I, I was going to talk about seed time and harvest. It's all good. Because I, I've thrown away the playbook. That's what I want to do. I just want to throw away the playbook and say, God, what do you want? Because what you want, that's taught. So I feel like this is a word. Many of you came up and we anointed you with oil. You say you're hungry for God. Hunger is reflected in what are you willing to do? Wednesday night, uh, we, we do, um, we're, we, we're working on Wednesday night. We don't have childcare yet, but we, we're excited about working in that direction because we, we want everybody to be able to come uh, to Wednesday night, but we were doing the Strong Near series. And I, I don't know how, but our conversation got on loving someone and how in love I was with this lady, this beautiful lady on the front row, that I was so in love with her that I, I was willing to do something crazy because we lived a thousand miles apart and this is 1991. The technology in 1991 with video cameras was a VHS tape. It was a big honking, you set it on your shoulder, VHS tape, you guys remember those? And the battery was this massive, you know. And I, I had, my best friend and I, we were dating her and her sister. We were in Tulsa, they were in Phoenix, Arizona, a thousand miles apart, 1991, no social media. You know, we're writing letters to each other. And I had this crazy idea. I'm gonna rent a video camera and I'm gonna take her out on a video date. I said, let's take, our, let's take them out on a video date. We can video each other and sit across the table from each other. So he goes, yeah, okay, we'll do that. Well, my son found a copy of it somewhere. So he, what's he do? He puts it on the television. John, you're the one? Mom found it. Because oh. it's embarrassing, you know, to see. It's like back to the future. You see yourself. And you're like, oh, oh, the style, you know. And it's all come back around. But anyway, so, but why, why, but I thought about, I, I was willing to do that because I love this lady. I love her so much that I'm willing to do something crazy. Are you willing to do something crazy because you're in love with the father? I'm, I'm not, I'm not encouraging weirdness around here. Okay. I hope you guys don't think I am. I know I run that risk. You know, but I'm willing to, I'm willing to deal with that just in, in the hopes that the rest of you will, will be willing to do something like lay at the feet of Jesus. I remember uh, my good friend, Terry Henshaw said to me, um, I asked him, I said, how long do you pray when you spend time in prayer? He said, Phil, I, I pray for an hour. I said, okay, well, where do you get that from? I mean, why, why do you do an hour? And he said, he said, you remember when Jesus went to his disciples and he said, could you not pray for one hour? He said, Phil, there's something about an hour. 
He said, because in that last 10 minutes, 10, 10 to 15 minutes, he said, it's like you break in to something in the spirit that you don't get there in five, 15, 30 minutes. And you know what? I've discovered it's true because when he told me that, I, I started praying an hour every day. And, and now I love to worship for 45 minutes because I know in the last 15, God's gonna download some stuff. So I wanna encourage you because I think most everybody here is born again, right? Yeah, I think most everybody here is born again. So I wanna encourage you, set aside some time. Phil, you don't understand, I'm very busy. I do understand this. We make time for the things that are important to us. And I know for me, I prioritize my time based on the things that are important to me. And, and I, my relationship with God is not because I'm a pastor, okay? I don't spend time with God to get a message. That's not my goal. I spend time with God to know who he is, to know him better. Wow. This, thank you, Lord, for taking us here today because I had no idea where you were going to... I had three, I literally had three messages and I was a little frustrated because I was going, God, what do you want me to preach? And uh, it wasn't even the third one. So glory to God. So would you bow your heads, close your eyes all around the room? I know I, gave, I know I gave this call already and we, and we prayed over you. Those of you that are hungry for God, you want more of God. But I wanna pray a little different prayer uh, than that. Now, if you're here and you say, you say Phil, I, maybe, maybe you've had it, maybe you do a devotional, maybe you read the, read the Bible and already have a reading plan. Maybe you, maybe you pray. But I will say this, I, I know by George Barna's statistics alone that pe very few people pray, uh, according to George Barna. So I, I don't know. I mean, I know based on um, the prayer meetings that we've done and the invites that we've sent out, there hasn't been a, a very, but let me tell you, as of late in SOAK, it's been crazy. It's been crazy good. Uh, it's been really neat to see what God's doing in that. But, <clears throat> but that's just been of late. That, that's not how it's been. And, and <clears throat> so here's what I'm gonna, here's what I wanna pray for. If, if you're here and you say, Phil, I don't wanna be the kind of Christian that just seeks God for what he can do for me. I want to seek God to know him. I want to spend more time at his feet. I want to prioritize that. I want to show him how valuable he is. And please, please don't think that if you don't come to soak, I'm, I'm eyeballing you. I'm not. That's not my heart at all. Because <clears throat> you, don't, you don't have to come to soak. I mean, Jesus said to go into your room and close the door. All you need is a room with a door to get in his presence. That's all you need. <clears throat> and if that's you, I want to pray for you. So so I don't want anybody looking around, but if that's you, honestly and sincerely, would you raise your hand all around the room? I want to pray for you. 
I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Would you pray this out loud after me? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for what you're doing in my life. I'm so grateful. I'm so thankful. You're so good. Now, Father, I make a commitment today to go deeper in your presence, to spend more time at your feet. I'm sorry for allowing myself to be distracted by schedule or work or hobbies. I make you the priority. Thank you, Lord. Now just begin to thank him all around the room. Just begin to thank him.